part two of our series on hope. Last week we learned a few things. You should have sermon notes in front of you. Anybody need sermon notes? Anybody need sermon notes? Okay, yep, good, great, thanks. Keep your hand up, we'll get you those. Last week we learned that hope is not a passive word, rather hope is quite a powerful word as we defined what hope really is. Hope helps us persevere when problems arise. Hope keeps us going when times get real tough. It energizes us with anticipation as we look forward to the future. Hmm. It energizes us with anticipation. Hmm. Hope gives us a reason to get out of bed in the morning. And it gives us purpose and meaning to live out each moment of each day because we're looking beyond and we're seeing what God has in all this. Hope can make molehills out of mountains. It can change uh, problems into possibilities. Hope can transform any situation. Hope gives us strength and courage uh, when life kind of gets chaotic and out of control. Uh, when it seems like uh, we're running off the track, uh, hope helps keeps us between the lines when things do seem out of control. Hmm. It's been said that a person can live uh, 40 days without food, about four days without water, about four minutes without air, but only about four seconds without hope. We need hope to cope, for sure. And so, hope is not some wishful thinking about our preferred future, as we defined the word last week. We're not blowing out birthday candles and making a wish that has nothing to do with the concept of biblical hope. Hope is far more than optimism, that everything's going to be okay in the end. Don't panic. It'll be okay in the end. Optimism is psychological, but the Bible is theological. Optimism springs from what I can do. Hope leans into that which only God can do. And there's a massive difference there. And I hope you grasped that last week. The word hope is mentioned 129 times in 121 different verses in the Bible. It is a key concept as we learned. The word hope in the scripture is a promising word, pointing to the future with confidence that everything, in fact, will turn out all right in the end, the way God intends it to turn out, not necessarily the way we intend it to turn out. There's a big difference there as well. How can this be? Because our hope is in the Lord. That's a game changer. If the basis of our hope is in a person or a perfect set of circumstances that just seemingly fall, need to fall into place, we will be bitterly disappointed by life. And I'm amazed at how many people underneath the facade that we all wear are bitterly disappointed by the way their life, their family, their whole position is right now. Honestly. This isn't what I signed up for. This isn't the way I thought it would turn out inside the church and outside the church. Hmm. Now, if our hope is in the Lord, then hope will never disappoint us. And that's where we're headed today, Romans 5. We'll get there in just a moment. Hope is often used like making a wish in our culture. Its strength is found in a person's desire. If I hope hard enough, if I work hard enough, 
I can bring it into reality. But in the Bible, hope is the confident expectation of what God has promised, and its strength is found in God's faithfulness. Remember how we did that last week? What's the difference between faith and hope? Faith is a foundation down here, and upon that, then, we have hope based upon faith. Faith always comes first, but they are twin sisters and inseparable for the believer. Now, the symbol for hope used by early believers was an anchor. I think it's very, very appropriate. This is because hope in Jesus is a sure thing that holds fast when the storms of life come against us. It protects us in the worst of storms. Next week, we're going to look at a a really cool storm from Acts 27 and how Paul had hope in a rather hopeless situation as we take communion together. I'm looking forward to next week already. But the writer of Hebrews put it this way. We who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. You see, we're not anchored down. We're just going to drift along with the currents or be battered by the tsunamis of life that they roll in one after another. But this hope... The Bible defines as Jesus is an anchor for our souls no matter what's happening on the outside, no matter what circumstances we find ourselves in. Last week we discovered three points. I'm just going to review them briefly because I want to get to the last one. Point four. Okay, so real quickly by review. Number one, God is a hope dispenser. God is a hope dispenser. Paul wrote in Romans 15, I pray that God, the source of hope, That's the key phrase. The source of hope will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in Him. We just sang that. We trust you. Personalize that. I trust you. Jesus, I trust you. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Wow. Now I guarantee all of us, when life batters us, something's going to spill out. It's going to overflow from us. Some of us, for some, uh, it's not hope. And sometimes for me, it's not hope. Other stuff comes overflowing because my trust is in the wrong place. But Paul says, uh, God, who is the source of hope, can in fact fill us completely as we turn back to him. We'll receive his peace because we trust him. Then we'll overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, if I were to go to work or school with you tomorrow, would your co-workers, would your classmates say, hey, you're a person of hope? Is there hope there? Hmm. Paul went on to write, this letter is from Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, appointed by the command of God our Savior and Christ Jesus who gives us hope. I like that. God is the source of hope. Jesus then is the giver of hope. Okay? He was hope. He is hope. He will be hope. And he lived it out. We looked at that whole plan of God like father like son. Jesus was a walking, talking hope dispenser. And everywhere he went, he awakened hope in people. I trust that he has awakened hope in your soul. Hope that there's something beyond this, but hope also for this moment in which we find ourselves that might seem just a little bit hopeless. He is the source of hope, God our Father. Jesus, then, is the giver of hope. And we looked at the Gospels and how many lives in different circumstances he just brought hope into that situation. 
Secondly, hope shines brightest when life is darkest. Here's what David wrote. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. And so, Lord, where do I put my hope? My only hope is in you. The words of King David, who authored this passage. He had been hurt by life, bitterly hurt by life. He had been hunted and hounded, falsely accused, openly ridiculed at this season of his life. And when things were darkest and seemingly the most hopeless, he confesses, my hope is in you, Lord. That's a choice that he made that I'm going to ask you to make as well before our time is done. Number three, where there is no hope in the future, there is no power in the present. Where there's no hope in the future, there's no power in the present. We talked about this at length, so I'm just going to kind of summarize it this morning. When we're hopeless, we give up very little. When we are hopeless and feeling hopeless and overwhelmed by a sense of hopelessness, we give up very little. We tend to hoard. We tend to circle the wagons. We tend to protect that which we think is ours. And what drives us then is scarcity. Scarcity. I've got to hang on to what I have because the future's not looking too bright. In fact, it's kind of hopeless. Ah, we contrast that when we're hopeful, we give up a lot. We give up a lot. And the word there is generosity. We move from scarcity then to generosity because our hope is is just supernatural. We're overflowing with hope because our trust is in the Lord. And we then can give up a lot. And it doesn't even hurt. It doesn't even feel like a sacrifice. It just kind of flows from us and through us because God's Spirit is at work in all of that. Make sense to you? Secondly, when we're hopeless, we look for excuses. Can't do this. Can't do that. Negative, complaining, whining. We're hopeless. That's all we can do. Complain. Complain, complain. But when we're hopeful, we look for ways to win. We just sang that. If we overcome in Jesus, He is the winner, and we win in Him. And when we're hopeful with God's hope, we look for how God is going to make this a winning situation. Not maybe the way I would have done it, but the way He wants it done. And He's going to win in the end. He's going to win in the end. Thirdly, When we're hopeless, we're just tired. We get really tired. Physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally. We're just worn out. Just worn out. Can't take anymore. I'm overwhelmed. And we all feel like that from time to time. We're just plain old tired. I got nothing left in the tank. I got nothing left to give. But when we're hopeful, we are energized because it's God's joy and peace that has filled us so that, in fact, we're beginning to look at life a whole lot differently. And it brings great energy. And we're kind of skipping and whistling and like uh, 78 degrees with a light wind out of the south. The skies are blowing. This isn't so bad, right? You have those days once a year, right? Yeah. Yeah, you get what I'm saying. But we're energized because it's not our energy. We're not faking it. We're not creating this. It's rather allowing God to flow through us as he's completely filled us. Fourthly, when we're hopeless, we abandon God's plan. 
we abandon God's plan. We say, God, where are you in all this? Jen, you put that very well when you were talking to us earlier. We abandon God's plan. God, where are you? I can't feel you. I can't see you. So we walk away from the source of our strength. It's amazing. But when we're hopeful, we follow God's plan. We say, God, wow, what are you going to do next? How can I partner with you? I want to join you in where you're at work. God, I'm energized because of this. Brings great excitement to me. I want to follow. I want to obey. I want to follow hard after you, God. Lastly, number five, when we're hopeless, we hurt each other. Hurting people hurt people. That is a fact of life that I've learned over the decades that is absolute reality. Hurting people hurt people. Hopeless people hurt people. And we hurt. And there's a lot of pain involved here. And because we're in pain, it's coming out sideways because we're getting squeezed by this. And we, either intentionally or probably not even intentionally, are hurting other people because we are hopeless. That's sad. Because when we're hopeful, we start to help each other. Because we realize it's not about me. And the greatest satisfaction and joy comes when I'm helping other people. And I'm giving, not receiving. So just a little contrast there between being hopeful and hopeless. Now, ready for one more? This is the final point, at least here. Number four, hope is a result of my choice, not my circumstances. That's not groundbreaking stuff that you understand already. Hope is a result of my choice, not my circumstances. But let's dig just a tad deeper. Hope based on circumstances is often short-lived. It's very, very nearsighted. Very nearsighted. Hope based on things will always come up short. Now, some folks hope for a new car or a new spouse, or a new home, or a different job, or a different whatever, right? Uh, hope for that. But nothing gives more false hope than the first four hours of the latest diet. However, it's the object of our hope that makes all the difference. So my question to you is this. What is the source of our hope? The object of our search determines the quality So what really is the source of our hope? Who is the source of our hope? Where is the source of our hope? Now you're sitting in church and you say, oh Jesus, yeah, it's always the right answer, it's outside. Yeah, okay, I get that. That's kind of cool. It's a good answer, always a good answer. But I mean really not. As I look at people, I see so much despair, so much dejection, downcast, downtrodden, disillusioned, depressed people who appear hopeless. Even among the people who follow Jesus. If we dig into the hearts just a little bit, we get the sense of this is really a hopeless situation. That's not what God intends for his people. There's something different. Something different. And we may want quick fix solutions to our difficult situations. And there are no quick fix solutions to this. This is a process God is taking us through. And for many a hopeless Jesus follower, the hope in life, our hope in life is not God. If we're honest with ourselves for a moment, the hope that we have in life is different. My hope in life is to be comfortable. My hope in life is to avoid adversity. My hope in life is to get eight hours of uninterrupted sleep every night. How's that working for you? 
You see, if our hope is that life will be free from adversity, we are going to be bitterly disappointed by life. That's just the truth. That's just the way it works. God's goal, on the other hand, is to grow us up. And that's often a difficult process. Growing up is never easy. Hope helps us to hang in there and get it real with life. I like what famous evangelist D.L. Moody told of a merchant. He had survived the great Chicago fire. Following the devastation, he took a table to what was once his thriving business was now just a charred mass of rubble. And he placed this sign on the table. And it said, everything lost but wife, children, and hope. Business as usual tomorrow. I like that. I like hanging around those kind of people. Wow. Now, God's plans for you and me are to give us a hope in the future. We understand that. Some wonder and ask how I can usually believe the best about people. I've been asked that. How do you, how do you always believe the best about people? I'll let you in on a little secret. How I do this? Because my hope is not in you. You are hopeless. Take a moment. You now can preach. Turn to your neighbor. Tell them you're hopeless. Okay. So we're all in agreement, right? We're all hopeless. We are hopeless. Rather, my hope is based upon God's work in you. My hope is based upon God's work in me. Other than that, we're hopeless. We're all hopeless. But I can trust in God's work in you because he is always faithful. So I make a choice. I'm going to believe the best. I'm going to believe the best. That's a choice that I have to make. Apart from him, there is no real hope. Now, here's where I have to say some things that may get a bit tough to swallow. I hope you're ready. Finding and living real hope can be a painful process. Now, let me say this. It will be a painful process. Here are the words of the Apostle Paul found in Romans 5. We boast in the hope of the glory of God. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials. Whoa, back that one up. We rejoice when we run into problems and trials. We what? Rejoice? Huh. For we know that they will help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation, and this hope will not lead to disappointment. Are you sure you want this kind of hope? So here's the formula that Paul mentions. When we run into problems and trials, the word is thalipsis. Thalipsis in the original language. It's translated in English various parts, times in the Bible. Problems, trials, tribulation, like the great tribulation, that's the same word. Jesus said, in the world you will have thalipsis that we just read, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. 
This word is found throughout Scripture. It means uh, literally to place under pressure. And we had the opportunity to be in Israel a couple of weeks ago. Uh, here's a wine press using to squeeze olives, and they took us through this process of how that whole thing works. It's kind of amazing. It just crushes them, right? But that's the picture of the word thalipsis from the first century. So we say that you put stuff under pressure. These are our problems and our trials and our testings. Uh, all the same, all the same word, right? And it begins to squeeze us. Paul says this develops endurance. In other words, hang in there. Hang in there. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't grow weary in well-doing. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't stop now. It's too early to quit, right? So he says when we're squeezed... This develops then this endurance to hang in there. And that endurance then begins to develop a strength of character. This is the only way you can get it. This is the only way you can get it. Strength of character comes by hanging in there. And this is the picture of a metalsmith heating silver or gold. The dross comes to the surface. He ladles off the dross. And some would say... He knows when it's pure, when he can see his own reflection in it. And so that's a beautiful picture of developing and strengthening of character. That in turn, that refining process then, brings us full circle back to the hope of our salvation. And this hope will never, ever disappoint Okay, I want to make sure we're understanding what's happening here. It all begins when we are faced with trials and tribulations. What is our attitude? Are we rejoicing? James said the exact same thing, did he not? He said, consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. And part of that maturity is seen in hope that does not disappoint. He's saying the exact same formula. It's the exact same formula. Now, where are we with this? The last time something bad came into your life, what was the immediate knee-jerk response? Woo-hoo-hoo, yeah! Here we go. Here we go. Endurance. My character is going to be strengthened. And I'm going to end up with more hope. Bring it on. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. You see, this is a process. This is a process. I thought Jessica did a great job last week at the end of the service sharing her heart about how this Gaining of hope is a process. It's a process. It's often a painful process. Just ask Jesus, the anchor of our souls. Huh. It's not fun, but it is necessary. And let's not sabotage God's plan and purposes by eluding rather than embracing our thalipsis. This American Western culture says, I will elude my trials and my difficulties at all costs. The Bible says just the opposite. 
Embrace your trials and difficulties because there is purpose and meaning behind that. And the more we try to avoid and position ourselves in our lives so that we will be pain-free, adversity-free, everything will be smooth sailing, the more we are going against the plan of God. Am I communicating this clearly enough? I hope so. I hope so. Because among the people of God are just way too many folk who are living their lives with this kind of expectation. And I'm building as much security into my life and much planning into my life so I can avoid adversity. When the Bible says we should be embracing it, not eluding it. Absolutely critical to understanding how we can come to a place where there's hope that never disappoints. We got to grow up. I got to grow up. And understand, the more passionately we choose to pursue God, the more we hunger and thirst after Him, the more troubles we're going to have, which will produce even more hope. And if you want to search and seek hard after God, I guarantee you, Because Jesus said, in the world you will have tribulation. Paul said, without much hardship does a person enter the kingdom of God. It's going to be a part of our normal Christian experience. And if we sabotage this plan of God in trying to avoid it, we're missing the point. Hmm. I believe that hope is born and strengthened from troubles and tests and trials. Whatever we're facing, even if it seems hopeless by human perspective, hope in Him overcomes. I've found that to be true in my life. I will just want to do it more consistently. How about you? All right, we're going to do some scripture memory here in church because I think we are getting weaker and weaker with our understanding where stuff is in the Bible. This will be an easy one. Romans 5.5 5 in New American Standard version of the Bible says, you have it in your sermon notes, don't you? Hope does not disappoint. All right, scripture memory together, church. So we say the reference, then we say the verse, then we say the reference. Okay? So, let's start together. Romans 5, 5. Hope does not disappoint. Romans 5, 5. Okay, I helped you with that one. Now you do, I listen, okay? I'll get you started. Romans 5.5 Okay, now tell your neighbor that. Again, your opportunity to preach. It's just lovely. Go ahead, go ahead. Now, the question is, do we really believe that? Hope does not, hope never disappoints. May God be God. Trials and tests help reveal when we put our hope in other places than God in heaven. It'll tell us real quickly where our hope is. Tests and trials do that. Remember, God's goal for us is character development. When we become a character, then hope can spring eternal. And I wonder, 
What are you facing in your life right now that seems just a tad hopeless? What is it? A wayward child? Dead-end job? (coughs) Marriage difficulties? Financial hardship? A relationship that just is out of control and the outcome looks pretty grim at this point? Something physical that won't go away or sin that just is unrelenting? Stress that won't let up. What is it that seems kind of hopeless right now? You know what I say about those things? Fantastic. Enjoy. Fantastic. Because God's got you right where he wants you. Under the pressure. Under the pressure. And he's working in your heart and in your life and mine as well. Endurance. Strength of character. Bring it back to full circle into a hope that never disappoints. Now, some of us are saying, wow, man, I wish I could do that. That seems like, oh, that's, uh, okay. Many of you know I enjoy history, particularly from the Civil War to World War II. Marshal Ferdinand Foch, Supreme Commander of the Allied Armies in World War I, said this, There are no hopeless situations. There are only men and women who have grown hopeless about them. I like that. There are no hopeless situations for Jesus. There are no hopeless situations. Only men and women who have grown hopeless about them. Where are we? Some of you have been through the fire and the testing. And you've been hanging in there a long time. And you haven't seen much that would give you hope. I get that. I get that. We get that. Solomon wrote, hope postponed makes the heart sick. Maybe this morning your heart's just a little sick. Because you've been hoping a long time. And I've got stuff in my life that I've been praying about for decades. And I wonder sometimes, God, is there any hope? Then I'm reminded. I have a choice to make. It's not my circumstances. It's my choice. And I'm just here to say, hang in there. Don't give up. It's too soon to quit. No matter how hopeless that thing looks or seems. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. And here comes strength of character back again. Leading us to a hope that does not disappoint. So for some of us, it's time to give it to God. How do we do that? What does that mean? We use these Christian phrases all the time. Give it to God. Okay. Some of us mistakenly think that giving God something means going to church more or giving more or reading my Bible more or praying more. All those are really good things. All those are really good things. Please don't hear what I'm not saying. But what do we do when we've wept 
And there's just no more tears. This thing just seems like it won't end. What do we do when everything crumbles and collapses right in front of us? What do we do? Now, if we're brutally honest with ourselves, our initial response is usually not to pray. It's not to read God's word. It's not to shout, hallelujah, this is great. More tests, right? No. And we're not quick to say, though he slay me, yet will I hope in him as Job did when everything was stripped from his life. That's not usually our first response, if we're honest, right? But along with everything else in my life, God wants me to trust him. He wants me to trust him with my pain. He wants me to trust him with my lack of hope. He wants me to give it to him. He wants me to be vulnerable with him and trust that he can handle my hopelessness. And there is deliverance from this. You see, he wants me to lay everything at his feet, including and especially my pain. He wants me to lay it down. And he wants to exchange that for his peace and his hope. Because you see, it's a matter of my choice and not my circumstances. Let's do it like this. Can you say hi to Scott? I'm going to put Scott on the spot. Some things going on. And you're learning to trust. And you're learning to give it to God. And you're learning some things about hope. What's happened this last week or so? Um, Some of you know us, some of us you don't. Um, But we feel like everybody here is a friend. Um, We've felt that since we started coming here. And it's not even a year. Um. Some of you know my wife. Um, her life attitude is, get her done, how can I help you? And that's who she is. And uh, we've been that for a lot of people. And now we find ourselves in a place of helplessness in that realm of not being able to, to help. About five weeks ago, Sherry had some symptoms Uh, in the side of her face, some numbing in her tongue. And she felt like it was um, like after you had something done at the dentist and the pins and needles in your tongue as that starts to come out. That was the feeling, and it's been that way for over five weeks now. And about 10 days ago, that went into the same side into her eye. And her vision was impaired uh, to the point where she can't walk without help. Um, if she opens both eyes, it's like if you cross your eyes and you're seeing double. So she walks with one eye closed 
to try to at least move. Um, we walk her to the bathroom. We walk her to the bed. Um, we, um, at that point, 10 days ago, I took her to the emergency room because it was, I mean, that was pretty serious. Um, they did a CAT scan. That was all good. Uh, the blood work there was good. Next step is a neurologist. So we got in contact with a neurologist. We were able to see him that same day because it was a snowstorm, because there was some people that had said they were not coming in. So we were able to see him, and then he ordered an MRI. <clears throat> and you have to wait for that, and that was a number of days. So that happened um, about a week ago. Um, Friday, we were able to go back to the neurologist and... Um, and find out what he found. Um, he said he was concerned. There was a, um, he called it a lesion, inside her spine at the base of her brain. I've never seen a MRI scan before, so this was a first. But if you look at your spine, it's about, about that big. It should all be dark. And right down on the bottom about a fifth of it was what looked like a little white cloud. Um, and I was thinking in the service today, I'm like, God, I have seen thunderstorms and clouds that are just amazing. And I've seen little white clouds that are so beautiful against the blue sky. I'm like, God, you could just blow that little cloud away. Mm. And if he so chooses to do that, we'll rejoice in that. And that's our hope. Um, they are going to do some more, ca uh, more um, MRIs. They wanted to originally do it on her neck also, but, you know, insurance. So insurance said no. But now we're hoping that they're going to say okay. So he wants to do it on her neck and on her spine to make sure there's not any other lesions. And um, he also put her on a three-day regiment of steroids, uh, pretty pretty heavy steroids. So we were able to do that Friday, yesterday, and she has another one today with the hope that that shows something or does something to help that will help them also diagnose exactly what it is. Um, several things came out of that meeting. Uh, MS is one of them. Um, there was another one they spoke, and my wife didn't hear it, and and that was um, something cancerous. Um, so, in all of that, our thinking and our minds are, <laughs> I hate to say it, I was hoping it was MS, <laughs> because MS is extremely treatable um, with steroids uh, in a lot of cases. Now, there's a lot of different MS, so I'm not not saying I'm not a doctor by any means, but um, so our hope is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. And we're but a spot, on a spot, in all of what he has created and I believe continues to create. I don't know that God could ever stop creating. I just think we don't see it. Mm. Um, the galaxies are just immense. And yet he cares enough for us, and he loves us, and he cares for all of his creation. 
there isn't a bird that falls that he doesn't know about. And he takes care of all of them. So I just want to thank all of you. I was overwhelmed this morning. Uh, came to church feeling helpless because I don't know what to do. Um, seeing my wife break down and go, I don't want to live like everybody has to help me with everything. I want to help them. And I say, I understand that. But right now, let us help you in whatever way we can. And so I was a little bit hopeless this morning when I came. And I'm head ushering today, so I have to be (laughs) above that. Um, Came early enough to set things up and sat down and started praying a little bit. And um, some people from our home group showed up early and, and some others. And I was loved on, and I just broke down. I'm just like, man, I couldn't handle it. I just broke down. And it took me a little bit. I had to gather myself because I had a job to do. <laughs> and I did that. But a little line of encouragement. If you are not in a small group, um, we knew two people in our group when we started. And it's only about four weeks ago. We were able to make the first meeting, and then this stuff started happening, so we weren't comfortable in showing up. And... Um, of that group, we only knew Steve and Judy. And um, through this and seeing their love for us and the notes of encouragement, and um, it's, it's just been amazing um, how close we are able to be with groups of people. So if you're not in a group, you need to be in a group um, because that's your support. And um, I'm just thankful that God brought us here. And um, for whatever reason, and whatever his plan is, we lay it at his feet. That's right. And um, give it all to him and uh, do whatever he's called us to do. And I love your notes at the end of your, anytime you message me back, it's always peace while you're waiting. Peace while you're waiting. And that's what it is. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you, Scott. Uh, let's see, is Kim Streisick still here? I saw her earlier. There you are. You're usually right up here. Talk to us about hope and what's happened this week. Um, some of you know Dennis got sick just before Thanksgiving. Um, we ended up going to the emergency room. Um, turned out he had kidney stones, but they found something on his pancreas. And um, we had to see lots of doctors, have lots of biopsies, weird things. And turned out that it is a precancerous lesion on his pancreas. And the procedure that they had to do, they did this past Wednesday. They removed a third of his pancreas, part of his stomach, his gallbladder, um, and numerous other things. Um, And we found out yesterday that there is no cancer. They said it was precancerous, but then they had a biopsy, all, everything that they took out. So there is no cancer. We're thanking God for that. Um, But he is miserable. They say it takes about a year to recover from this procedure. Um, He is starting to walk. He hasn't eaten yet. 
They don't want him to eat for five days so that his um, organs, where all the resections are, can heal. Um, it's going to be a long road. <laughs> Technically, he's retired now. This wasn't what we thought we would be doing for retirement. Mm-hmm. But um, we are thankful um, that it wasn't pancreatic cancer. And um, we are trusting God that he's going to use this. God has blessed us with many wonderful nurses at St. Luke's. Um, He was in ICU, they said, up to three days, and he was out in a little bit over 24 hours. They were quite amazed by that, and I thank everybody for praying. Um, We credit that to God, and um, we're hanging in there. We're trusting God. There's a purpose for everything, and uh, we just appreciate your prayers that he doesn't get any infections, um, and that um, he doesn't become depressed. So um, thank you so much for praying. Uh, we were really thankful for our small group leader, Todd Schumann, for Pastor John and Pastor Michael, who came down and spent time with me. Denny doesn't really want to have any visitors, can't really talk, and um, just really blessed by this church. Thank you. Thank you. Well, across this auditorium are these kinds of stories. They're not necessarily all physical. Many of them are relational and spiritual. But the point is, we have a choice to make. We can lay it at the feet of the Savior and there find hope. Hope that doesn't disappoint. Let's take a moment and just pray together. You know what the Holy Spirit's pinpointing in your heart right now. That thing that just seems hopeless. It's hopeless. At least from a human perspective, it's hopeless. But hope that does not disappoint (laughs) is a result of my choice, not my circumstances. And it's based on who God is and not what's happening. Would you choose to lay it at his feet and see what he can do? Let's pray together, church, shall we? Father God, you are the source of our hope. Lord Jesus, you are the giver of hope. Holy Spirit, you are the one that breathes hope into reality in our lives. And we come to you, our great God, and confess that our hope is in you. And for some of us, we've had to learn that lesson the hard way.
we've tried so, so hard in our own strength to make things happen, to fix things, to understand things. And yet your ways are not our ways, and your thoughts are not our thoughts. And we come, and in our hearts we kneel before you, and we put on you that which we're incapable of handling. And we're obeying your word, which says to cast all of our burdens on you, the burden bearer, and there find hope. Lord, would you breathe hope into that heart? Would you breathe hope into that home, into that marriage? Would you breathe hope into our church? This hope that never disappoints. And so, Lord, in the quietness of this moment, we listen for your voice. For some of us, he's saying, hang in there, don't quit. For some of us, he's saying, turn to me, trust me, give it to me. For some of us, he's saying, well done, good and faithful servant. You're hanging in there. It's going to be okay. As we hope in you alone. So we say thank you, Lord, for working in our hearts. Oh God, we need hope. We need your hope. So hope dispenser, Lord Jesus, come and be our guest in our hearts and in our church family. We welcome you. As you come with hope, breathe on us, Spirit of God, hope. Give us the faith to believe, and we'll thank you together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, church. As we are filled completely and joyfully with hope, 